0: All right, all right, all right. We got to do this quick, (laughs) y'all. Because I don't want any of you to get left when that bus leaves. So I'm going to jump right into it. You had a good time? I've had a wonderful time. I've had a refreshing time, encouraging time. And and, uh, I just want to say I'm so thankful for the folks that came with my wife and I and uh, joined us here from the Bay Area, John and Christina Heisel, who just got married. John and Christina Boyles John and Christina Boyles Just got married And uh, uh, they're on their honeymoon And they joined us here for this retreat on their honeymoon And uh, Heard great things about their seminar That they they did on creativity And uh, uh, Mickey Cho You all know Mickey Cho I don't even need to say much about him That's a mighty man of God Who said that And then Lauren and Chris Ametrano, and, uh, Lauren and Chris are our new son and daughter. Uh, they were just born to us not too long ago. And so we're so thankful that they're here with us and they're doing a mighty work uh, for the Lord in the Bay area as well. And then of course, Joseph O who you all know and love. So I, I'm just thankful to all of you guys for, for being here with us. Uh, just, it means the word world to us to have you here and, uh, Sunday and I just can't tell you how much we love being with you guys here at New Philly. I mean, it's just another level. Uh, what God is doing among you is amazing. And um, none of you have any cause to be discouraged at all. I mean, when you look at this house, when you see how powerful this house is, you have no cause to be discouraged. Only encouragement. Only encouragement and joy. Because God has made you a mighty people. You've done an awesome thing. God has done an awesome thing. Um I'm coming out of Luke chapter one this morning, and, and um I want to talk about John the Baptist. But the first thing I want to say is that as the Gospels begin, as all four Gospels begin, Israel is in a time and in a season in which it's crying out to God for a new level of freedom, for deliverance, but specifically the kind of freedom and deliverance they're crying out to God for is socio political. They're being occupied by the Roman Empire. They're crying out to God for freedom so that they could worship God in fullness and in freedom. They're believing that God's going to send the Messiah, the Mashiach, the anointed one. The one who's going to come and sit on the throne of David and restore the Davidic Empire to Israel. Bring complete freedom. And they think it's a political freedom. They think it's a, a national freedom that God is going to bring. And as the people of Israel, they gather at the temple. Every year on the day of atonement, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies as they had been doing since the time of Moses when God gave the design for the tabernacle. And of course, the temple was broken into three sections, the outer court, the inner court and the Holy of Holies. And only the priests, the Levite priests were allowed into the inner court and only the high priest once a year was allowed into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And the, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies to meet with God on behalf of the entire people of Israel. And that's what a priest does. A priest meets with God on behalf of people and then meets with people on behalf of God. A priest goes to God with not his own burdens, not with his own burdens, not with his own cares or sorrows. When I go to God and I cast my own cares and sorrows before him, I'm not going as a priest, I'm just going as a man. I'm just going as a son. But when I go before the Lord as a priest, I go to carry the cares and sorrows and burdens of the people. I go in as a representative before God, not simply as an individual with individual needs. And so the high priest wore a special garment, a high priestly garment. It was called the linen ephod. And the ephod, the linen ephod, the high priestly garment had the names of the 12 tribes of Israel embroidered on his shoulders, signifying that he was bearing the burdens of Israel. He carried the weight of the entire people. And then there was a gold breastplate on his chest, and on that gold breastplate was written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, symbolizing that they were on his heart. He was carrying Israel in his heart and carrying their burdens on his shoulders. And he was going before God on behalf of the 12 tribes of Israel, on behalf of the sons of Abraham, on behalf of the people of God, not on his own behalf. But when, when Zechariah goes into the Holy of Holies on this particular day to meet with God on behalf of the people, an angel by the name of Gabriel shows up and speaks to him. And when when the angel Gabriel shows up and speaks to him, Gabriel speaks to him not about the whole nation, but about himself. He's going in saying, God bring freedom to this nation. And the angel Gabriel says, you and your wife have wanted to have a son for a long time. Now I'm here to tell you that your wife's going to have a son. It must have been confusing for Zachariah. Because I didn't go in to get my own needs met. I didn't go in for my own desires to be fulfilled. I didn't, I didn't go in so that God could finally hear my cry. I went in for the people. And God said, the angel says, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a son. Now, this man and this woman, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were up in age. And so this was really hard for, uh, for Zachariah to believe. And he said, how is this possible? Have you seen my wife? Have you seen me? And the angel says, okay, look, my name's Gabriel, okay? I stand in the presence of God. You don't want to believe me? Fine, but you're not going to talk until it's fulfilled. <laughs> Zechariah comes out, and here's the key. When, whenever the high priest would come out of the Holy of Holies, the first thing that would greet him would be all of the Levites. First of all, you know, looking to see if God was going to kill him or not making sure he came out alive. All of the Levites would be waiting for him in the inner court. And then he and all the Levites would go back out into the outer court where the entire community of Israel was assembled, waiting to hear what God had said to this man. This man was not going in for himself. He was going in for the people and he was supposed to come out of the Holy of Holies with a word from the Lord for the entire assembly. What does God have to say to us? Can you imagine a pastor getting up before the, before the pulpit in front of you on a Sunday morning or at a retreat and saying, you know, I was in prayer last night and God told me I'm going to have a son. Me and my wife are going to have a son. And that's the message to y'all. But did God give you anything for us? I mean, that's nice that God's going to give you a son. But did God give anything for us? What are you going to do about our bondage? What's God going to do about our bondage? It's not fair for you to go in and get something for you. Suddenly, Elizabeth... Find yourself pregnant. Imagine being Zachariah. You can't even tell your wife what happened. I mean, she's completely in the dark. Can you imagine how freaked out she was when she missed her period? And she's like 80-something years old. Not even going to mention what happened before that. And she's like 80-something years old. Word starts to spread. Elizabeth is preg- pregnant. Which Elizabeth? That's probably the... the in, anytime that word spread around, Elizabeth's pregnant. Which Elizabeth? You know, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Which Zachariah and Elizabeth? <laughs> Definitely not the Zachariah and Elizabeth that I know. Ain't no way that woman is pregnant. For nine months, Zachariah is silent silent. His wife must have felt ignored. (laughs) Now somehow Zachariah and Elizabeth, they must have, have, you know, written each other letters, (laughs) you know, he had to tell her the story in writing, you know, he could write. And so he told her, we're going to have a son. His name's going to be John. There's something unique about this child. He's going to be a prophet. Word is spreading. Elizabeth's pregnant. The time comes for Elizabeth to give birth. She gives birth to a son. On the eighth day, the people get gathered around her to to circumcise the child. They came to circumcise the child on the eighth day. And when they circumcised the child, they they asked, what is his name going to be? And they were going to name him Zachariah. But Elizabeth says his name is John. And she says, there's nobody in your family named John. And they go to the father. And he says, bring, the, you know, he signals for them to bring him a writing tablet. He writes, his name is John. And then his mouth opens up. And listen to what Zechariah says the moment his mouth opens up. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. The moment his mouth is opened, he immediately interprets the meaning of the birth of this child. The significance of the birth of this child is not just that God has heard the cry of Zachariah and Elizabeth and given us a child. God has heard the cry of his people and given us a child. And the first thing that you you and I need to understand this morning is that when God desires to bless, increase, strengthen, and set free his people, the first thing he does is finds a man of God to make fruitful. See, one of the things that happens in the world today is whenever a man of God or a woman of God becomes fruitful, there's always somebody pointing the finger at them. Criticizing. But when God blesses a man or woman of God, you need to see it as a prophetic sign that he's getting ready to increase his people. Why? Because the anointing flows from the top down. And so if I were you, I'd be praying that the man at the top gets blessed beyond his wildest imaginations. Why? Because as you see God bless and establish the man at the top. It becomes a prophetic sign of the fact that he's getting ready to bless and increase and prosper his people. The blessings of God are never solitary, isolated, individual blessings. But when he blesses one man or one woman, that one man or one woman always is a sign of what he's getting ready to do in the lives of others. My wife and I, as most of you know, were barren for eight years. We could not bear a child. We cried out to God month after month, year after year. Those of you who have been seeking the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit and can't seem to break through, I know the frustration you're talking about. It happened to us in the realm of childbirth. You know, it's hard when you're ministering to high school kids who did it once and got pregnant. And you've been at it for seven years and can't get pregnant. And all of a sudden, I was flying home from Phoenix, Arizona one Saturday night and praying on the plane. God, what do you want to do in our Sunday morning service? And God spoke to me and said, call your wife up to the platform. Pour a bottle of oil over her head and anoint her and call her Eve. Name her Eve. And In Genesis 3.20, it says, Adam named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And God gave me this prophetic word for my wife on the day that we see this woman conceive and bear a child, I said to our congregation, on the day that we see this woman conceive and bear a child, it will be a prophetic sign to us that God has made us fruitful, that God has overcome our barrenness, that God has taken that thing that will not bear fruit and he has made it fruitful. And guess what happened? A month later, my wife got pregnant. And it was three months later that we discovered that she had gotten pregnant a month after that word was spoken. The entire community rejoiced, not because my wife had gotten pregnant and we wanted a child, but because it was a sign to the entire community of what God was doing on our behalf. We are pregnant. We are fruitful. And then Zacharias speaks this word. Over his child he says, "And you child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. He speaks this prophecy over his newborn son, You son, you child, you're going to be called the prophet of the Most High." God has responded to the cry of this people, not by defeating the Romans from heaven, but by making us fruitful. Fruitfulness is always God's response to demonic oppression. He, God fights oppression by making his people fruitful. It happened to the children of Israel in Egypt. It says the harder the Egyptians oppressed them, the more fruitful they became. The Egyptians oppressed them. Why? To try to stop their fruitfulness. They said, we've got to do something about this people because they're fruitful. More and more in number. And the Egyptians said, let's oppress them because if we oppress them, they'll stop bearing fruit. But the harder they oppress them, the more fruitful they became. God responded to the oppression of Egypt by increasing the fruitfulness of his people. And we need to stop focusing on fighting the enemy back and simply start focusing on, God, make me fruitful. At every place where you're opposed by the devil, the prayer should not be, God, defeat this attack, but God, make me fruitful. God, make me fruitful. And at every place where God makes you fruitful, you say, take that devil in your face. God has made me fruitful. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. And I can guarantee you that this prophetic word that Zachariah spoke over his son was not a one-time event, but he spoke that over his son every day. You will be called prophet of the Most High. Let me tell you your identity. You will be called prophet of the Most High. Get it in your head, young people, before you get married and have kids, that you're going to speak the word of the Lord over your kids every day. That when you have children, you're going to tell them who they are in the spirit and you're going to tell them what great things God's going to do in their life. And you're going to tell them the gifts that they have. You're going to speak prophetically so that that child grows up believing the word of the Lord and believing sealed in the prophetic word that was spoken over their lives. You child will become the prophet of the most high. There's a special anointing and calling on your life. You're different, John. You will be the prophet of the Most High. I know you're growing up in a generation that that knows nothing about the prophetic word because we've been in a 400-year period of silence called the intertestamental period. But you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. In you, God is restoring something to us that we lost 400 years ago. Something that has been dormant. Something that has laid dormant in the earth. You're going to pick it up. You, child, are a prophetic sign that God's getting ready to do something different. You, child, are a prophetic sign that God is getting ready to make us fruitful in every place where we've been barren. You, child, are different. John grew up in the home of his father and mother, nurtured Under the word of the Lord. Nurtured under the prophetic word. That was spoken to him. In the power of the Holy Spirit. And the result of it. Is verse 80. The first word of verse 80. In the ESV and in the NIV. Is and. But I think the better translation. Is the NKJB. So. So. The child grew and became strong in spirit. Why? Because the prophetic word was spoken over that child again and again and again. Because that child was given his identity by his mom and dad again. And again, because he was reminded he was not allowed to forget every time he went off the path and started trying to walk a different direction. His dad or mom would take him aside, say, no, you child, you're not going to walk in that way. You're different. You're going to be called the prophet of the most high. And that is not in keeping with being a prophet of God. Prophets of God don't walk in those ways. Prophets of God don't do those things. That's not for you. You will be called the prophet of the most high. And so the child grew and became strong in spirit. It is the prophetic word that causes you to grow and become strong in spirit. And when you sit under the teaching of the word of God that comes in the power of the Holy Spirit, it causes you to grow and become strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness. He grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness, meaning that at a certain period in his life, he was driven into the wilderness by the spirit of the Lord. At a young age, the spirit of God led him into the wilderness, drove him there. Now, we need to understand what the wilderness is because we understand the wilderness to simply be the dry place or the dead place, the place where you're cut off from the presence of God. And I want you to know that that is not the case. There is no desert dry enough to cut me off from the presence of God. There is no wilderness arid enough to cut me off from the, the flow of the spirit of God. John was in the wilderness growing and becoming strong in spirit. So don't say I'm in a wilderness period. That's why I can't feel God's presence. Let me break that lie off you right now. God wants to take you into deeper places in his presence than you've ever been. I don't care what season it is in your life. I don't care what period it is in your life. That period is coming to an end now. He was in the wilderness, but he was growing and becoming strong in spirit. So what does it mean that he was in the wilderness? It means something very, very simple and very specific. It says he was in the wilderness until the day of his manifestation to Israel in the NKJV. In the ESV, it says he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. The wilderness simply meant that God had hidden him. The wilderness simply meant that God was doing a powerful work in him, but that work was not yet a public work. It was a private work. That God was gifting him in mighty ways, but not yet letting anybody else see those gifts. And many of you are in the wilderness and it simply means that you're being hidden and you wonder why nobody sees your gifts and nobody sees your talents and nobody sees your calling and nobody sees your destiny and nobody understands what God has put in you. I'll tell you why. Because you're still growing and becoming strong in spirit. And God's not going to reveal you to Israel until you've grown enough, until you become strong enough, until your spirit is strong enough, until your character is strong enough, until there's enough glory in your life and enough character in your life to sustain the weight of the calling. That he's put on your life. He was hidden. He was in the desert. He was hidden. Now, in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says that the creation is longing for the manifestation of the sons of God. We've been talking about this word manifest. When something manifests, it's made tangible. When something is manifest it's made touchable. John says the life manifested in 1st John chapter 1. He says that which was from the beginning which we've seen with our eyes which we've heard with our ears which our hands have handled the life manifested He says in John, the gospel of John chapter one, verse 14, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us or dwelt among us. He manifested, he was made physical, tangible. It was revealed. It wasn't just in the spirit anymore, but now it's in the natural realm as well. Manifestation is when God takes something that's in the spirit and makes it touchable in the natural realm. It's suddenly when your faith becomes sight, when it, when it becomes real, when it bursts the bonds of your anticipation and becomes real, right? before your very eyes it was always real even when it was in the spirit but when it manifests suddenly it's objective suddenly it's seen john said the life manifested we talked about that passage in first john chapter five where it says for this reason or first john chapter three for this reason the son of god was made manifest that he might destroy the devil's works it's in the very place where god manifests where the devil's works are destroyed John was in the wilderness until the day of his manifestation to Israel, until the day of his public appearance, until the day of his debut, until the day God said, it's enough secret work. Now I'm going to do a public work. It's enough private work. Now I'm going to do a public work. You've been in private school for long enough. Now I'm putting you in public school. You've been in the hidden place for long enough. Now I'm putting you in the public place. The problem is too many people die in the wilderness. God never intended anybody to die in the wilderness. But the reason people die in the wilderness is because of unbelief. They find themselves in the wilderness and instead of understanding that this is simply the temporary hidden place where I'm shaped, where God's working it out in my life. And where I'm working it out, where I'm working out my own salvation with fear and trembling, where I'm learning how to understand the deep things of God that are happening on the inside of me, where God is shaping my character, where God's digging a foundation and pouring in the concrete. Instead of understanding that God is framing me, I begin to believe that God has cursed me, that God has abandoned me, that God's not with me. And a whole generation of Israelites, their bodies fell in the desert and it grieved God because they were none none of them were supposed to die in the desert. But it was because they were a generation that found themselves out in the desert. And this is the thing. The moment God releases you from Egypt, he does not release you immediately into the promised land. He releases you into the desert. Because he's got to shape you and prepare you to walk in the promised land. In Luke chapter 4, the scripture tells us that Jesus even spent some time in the wilderness. Now, when Paul said in Romans 8 that creation is longing for the manifestation of the sons of God. The revealing of the sons of God. What does that mean? Well, he said in chapter 8 verse 14 that those who are led by the spirit, these are the sons of God. The sign that you are a son of God, the manifestation of the reality of your sonship to God is when you're led by the spirit and when you're led by the spirit publicly, I mean, when it's seen that you're being led by the spirit, suddenly God reveals that you're his son, that you're his daughter because you're led by the spirit. When you're in the wilderness, you're led by the spirit, but you're led privately. When you come out of the wilderness, you come in the power of the spirit. And we see that in Luke four, because the scripture says that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And it says here in Luke four, one, and Jesus full of the Holy spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. Interesting. I've always looked at it in the New King James Version. It says he was led into the wilderness, but the ESV says he was led in the wilderness for 40 days. I always thought the spirit pushed him out into the wilderness and then withdrew, withdrew from him for 40 days. No, the spirit was in the wilderness with him, leading him for 40 days. Nobody could see it, but he was being led by the spirit. There was no manifestation, no miracle, but he's being led by the spirit. The spirit is leading him in the wilderness. And what was he doing during those 40 days? Have you ever asked that question? What was he doing? I'll tell you what he was doing. He was meditating on scripture. How do I know that he was meditating on scripture? I can even tell you what verses he was meditating on. He was meditating on Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses two and following. And Deuteronomy chapter six, verses 13 and verses 16. How do I know he was meditating on those verses? Well, let me tell you why. Because he went into the wilderness for 40 days. That number is significant. A day for every year that Israel spent in the desert. And he went to reverse their failure. Where they failed in the desert, he would not fail. Where they caved into temptation, he would not cave into temptation. Where they doubted the provision of God, he would not doubt the provision of God. Where they bowed down to idols, he would not bow down to idols. Where they tested God, he would not test God. He says, I'm going in to show that you can be led by the Spirit, even in the wilderness, even in the desert. Why? Because I'm the Son of God. And that's what it means to be a son to God. It means that you're led by the Spirit. It means that no matter what you go through, you believe God is leading me by His Spirit. And after 40 days, the scripture says he was hungry. I would have got hungry a lot sooner. (laughs) After about 40 minutes. (laughs) And when he was hungry, the devil came to him and said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. He says, I've been meditating for 40 days, Satan. I've already got my answer ready for you. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, because I've been meditating on scripture and filling my heart with the words of God, as soon as the devil comes to tempt me, his word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against him. In Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses is preaching his great, and the whole book of Deuteronomy is Moses' sermon to the people of Israel. He's, it's Moses is at the end of his life. He knows the people are getting ready to enter into the promised land. He knows the wilderness season is coming to an end, but he wants to prepare the hearts of the people. He says, remember, Romans 8, 2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. To humble you and to test you in order to see what was in your heart. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Turn these stones to bread. Jesus says it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I don't need no bread. I got word. I got word. I'm sustained by the word. I'm full of the word. God puts you in the wilderness to learn how to be sustained by the word, how to be filled with the word, how to say, I might not have any money, but I got the word. I might not have a new building like I wanted, but I got word. I might not have a breakthrough like I wanted, but I got word. I'm still praying for revival, but I got word. I'm still praying for breakthrough, but I got a word. All I need is a word from God. I live by the word. In the wilderness, you learn to live by the word. You learn to feed on it and eat it. You learn how to digest it and ingest it. You learn how to be built up by the word. You can't get me, devil. I've been meditating on this for 40 days. And then the scripture says that the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all the authority of all of this authority and glory for it has been delivered to me and I can give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus says, "No, no, 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 I'm not making this mistake in the wilderness. You see, the children of Israel messed up in the wilderness and started worshiping an idol. And Paul tells us that behind every idol is a demon. Isn't it funny that God brought them out of Egypt, took them into the wilderness, took them to Sinai, and they found them, God found them worshiping demons while Moses was up on the mountain meeting with God. And when Moses comes down, they're bowing down and worshiping the golden calf right at the mountain of revelation, right at the place where God is getting ready to reveal himself. The people of God are worshiping idols. Let me tell you something. At every place where you are tempted to bow down to an idol, at every place where where temptation hits you, that is the place where God is getting ready to reveal himself. Temptation is a demonic form of revelation. And at every place where God decides I'm going to reveal myself here at that very place, Satan is is waiting as well and saying, I've got something to reveal as well. The question is, what kind of revelation will you wait for? Which kind of revelation will you embrace? The children of Israel embraced that demonic revelation and began to bow down and worship that idol right at the foot of the mountain where God's glory was filling that mountain with fire. And God was speaking from the mountain and they exchanged the real revelation for a demonic revelation. But Jesus said, I'm not falling for that trick, devil. It is written Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 13, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only. Will you serve? You see, Jesus was walking around for 40 days saying, there's only a few tricks Satan can throw at me. And I've already got his number. I got his number. I got his number. Why? Because I got the word and the word is able to make me wise for salvation. And so I'm not going to bow down and worship him. I'm going to worship the Lord, my God and him only will I serve. And then he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. Quotes that passage there in Psalm 91, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answers in verse 12. It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 16. Moses says in Deuteronomy 6 16, Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. You remember what happened at Massa and Meribah? They ran out of water and they got thirsty And they began to say, the Lord led us to this place to abandon us. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? That's what they said to the Lord. And they began to say, if you're with us, give us water to drink. Is the Lord with us or not? At that very place where you begin to ask the question, God, are you with me or not? If you're with me, do something. If you're with me, answer me. If you're with me, break through on my behalf. If you're with me, bless me. If, if, as soon as you start asking the question, if you just put the Lord to the test. Throw yourself down. Let's see if you're really the son of God. Let's see if you're really the real deal. As soon as you start trying to test whether you are the real thing or not, let's see if I'm God's child then. And Jesus says, I don't need any proof. It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I'm not going to test him to see if he is with me. I'm going to trust him because I know that he is with me. Don't test him, trust him. If I fall, I know who catch me, but I'm not about to jump. Verse 13 says, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. And report about him went out through all the surrounding country. This was the day of his manifestation to Israel. A report went about him. He came out of the wilderness in the power and the power is the manifestation of the release of the spirit. See, there's a difference between your receiving of the spirit and your releasing of the spirit in the wilderness. You're receiving and receiving and receiving, but you're hidden. But when you come out of the wilderness, you're releasing and releasing and releasing and you're seen. The question is, are you ready to stand on that day when God begins to reveal what he has done in you in secret in the public place? So the child grew and became strong in spirit. But he was in the wilderness until the day of his manifestation to Israel. Some of you are frustrated because the day of your manifestation seems so long overdue. There's some side of you that's crying out for acknowledgement, something on the inside. You said, man, this should be greater. You ever feel that way? I should see more than what I'm seeing. I should have more than what I have. I should be doing more than what I'm doing. I should get more opportunities. There should be a bigger open door. God says you're in the wilderness. But you're going to have to learn how to do what Jesus did. You're going to learn, have to learn how to meditate on his word day and night. I said to Pastor Daniels a few weeks ago, am I really an apostle? I don't feel like an apostle. He smiled. He said, yes, son, you're an apostle, but you're an apostle in a hurry. (laughs) Waiting on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Learning to wait, but wait actively, not passively. Keep your lamp burning, keep your lamp full of oil, keep your expectation sharp. Live with anticipation that the air is pregnant. That every moment is pregnant with possibility for the glory of God to be released through your life. Knowing that the time of the wilderness is short, but the day of your manifestation is coming. Wake up every morning with a cry in your heart. God, make me ready for that day. Make me ready for that moment that if this is the day, make sure I'm ready. Make sure I'm ready because I don't want the weight of glory to crush me because my character is too small. Lord, make me ready for that day of manifestation. Teach me to feed on your word every day. Awaken me morning by morning. Awaken my ear to listen as one being instructed and see See to it that I am given the tongue of the learned to speak a word in due season to him who is weary. You're in the wilderness, but I say to you by the word of the Lord that the day of your manifestation to Israel is coming and is coming soon. Be ready. Bow your heads. Father, I pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that everyone under the sound of my voice would receive an instant impartation of the spirit that would bring complete understanding and complete clarity of the things that I've spoken. Father, I believe I've spoken by the word of the Lord. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring to pass the things that I've spoken according to your time and according to your season. Father, I speak blessing over the wilderness. It's the wilderness, the place where you choose us, not the place of dryness, simply the place of hiddenness. Not the place of emptiness, simply the place of hiddenness. Not the place of brokenness, simply the place of hiddenness. Because God, for too long, we have embraced dryness and brokenness and emptiness. And all you calling us to embrace is hiddenness. When I'm broken, I say, well, of course I'm broken. I'm in the wilderness. No, 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 no. God wants to put you back together again. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put you back together again, but I serve a God who says, I'm the potter and you're the clay. And I can put you back together again. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and he calls them each by name. And he's the God who said, to whom then will you liken me and to whom will I be equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their starry host and calls them each by name. Not one is missing. He's the God who says, why do you say, O Israel, and why do you speak, O Jacob? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just cause is passed over by my God. Have you not seen? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? The Lord, the everlasting God, is the creator of the ends of the earth. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives strength to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases power. Even youths shall fall and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God says, I brought you to this place to renew your strength. I brought you to this place to send times of refreshing from the presence of God. I brought you to this house to meet with you and to strengthen you and to revive you. For I, the Lord, sit in a high and holy place, but also in the hearts of the broken and contrite to revive the heart of the lowly. And I send streams of refreshing, refreshing to refresh you and renew you because many of you became weary along the journey and said god how long how long how long but god says this day i've lifted your weariness from you this day i've lifted it from you and i've strengthened you i've come to strengthen you and i say that you can run i say that you can run and not be weary i say that you can walk and not faint You came crawling into this place, but you're going to go leaping out and running out. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Ha! And the ransom to the Lord shall return. They will enter Zion with singing. A crown of everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sigh will flee away. It's your time. It's your season. This is your day. This is your hour. This is your moment to arise. Arise. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. But I will cause my light to arise upon you and my glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see behold they gather together they come to you your sons shall come from afar and your daughter shall be nursed at your side a multitude of camels will cover your land the dromedaries of midian and ephah all those from sheba will come their gold and their silver with them to the name of the lord your god because he has glorified you and god says i will glorify the place of my feet I will glorify the place of my feet. I have walked among you, says the Lord, and I will glorify the place of my feet. I will make the place of my feet glorious, says the Lord, for I have walked among you and I stand in the midst of you, says the Lord, and I have taught you to shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Great is the Holy One of Israel among you. And God says you have not yet begun to see what I will do. I do a new thing among you, says the Lord. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it will spring forth. I will cause rivers to flow in the wilderness, streams in the desert. I will give drink to my people, my chosen, this people I've chosen for myself. They shall declare my praise. Stand up and lift your hands to the Lord. There's a river flowing. There's a river flowing. Just stand up and receive that river. Open your hands to God and just receive and drink deep. Times of refreshing. God says, I brought you here to strengthen you. I brought you here to strengthen you. God, just begin to strengthen right now. Just begin to strengthen right now. Just begin to strengthen right now. Come on, just begin to receive it. Begin to receive it. Just begin to receive it. Strengthen, strengthen. New wind. New wind. New wind. New Philly staff. New wind. New Philly staff. Come stand up here real quick. New Philly staff. Staff, staff, staff. staff. New wind. Whew. Yeah, staff You've labored, you've labored, you've labored But now you're going to receive You've poured out, now you're going to get filled up You've poured out, you've sown Now you're going to reap Whew. He who waters will be watered He who waters will be watered Stretch out your hands right now to this staff God, pour out your spirit on them right now A new anointing is coming on you right now. A new anointing. God, just fill up, fill up, fill up, fill up. Philip, you've given away. You've given away. You've given away. Now you're going to take it. You've given it away. Now you're going to take it. Take it right now in the name of Jesus. Take it right now. Take it in the name of Jesus. Take it in Jesus' name. You've given away. Take it right now. Take it right now. Take it right now. Take it. Take it in Jesus' name. You've given away. Take it right now. Take it in Jesus' name. 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 You've given it away. Now you're going to take it. Fill them up right now, God. 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 God. Strengthen, Strengthen, strengthen. Strengthen, strengthen. A new level of prophetic worship is coming over you right now. New songs. New songs. New songs. In the name of Jesus. hallelujah God I pray for the man of this house the set man of this house God fill him up right now fill him up to overflowing fill him up to overflowing fill him up new fire new fire new glory in Jesus name and I pray for the woman of this house God I speak complete healing and restoration in her body I command the healing power of God to go through your body right now. New expectation. New prophetic unction. New prophetic unction. New anticipation. In Jesus' name. Yes! And new joy. New joy. New joy. New joy. The old order of things has passed away. The old order of things has passed away. Mm. What you've gone through is just a cleansing experience. That's all it's been as a cleanser. Now is a time of refreshing. Refresh. Steve Beauchamp, come here right now. This man has poured out and poured out and poured out and poured out. Now he's going to receive. He's going to receive because there's another level for this man. Stand right here. There's another level for this man right now. Stretch out your hands. I just war in the name of Jesus. Another level, another level of glory. Come on war right now. Fill him up. Fill him up. Fill him up. Come on war right now. Another level. Another level of glory. Another level of glory. Another level of glory. Another level of glory. Level of glory. Jesus name. Take all of it right now. In Jesus' name. We thank you for what this man of God has poured out. Yes, God, yes, God. Philip, 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 Philip. Oh, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Now everybody stretch out your hands. One last opportunity to receive. One last opportunity. God, just release the anointing, God. I prayed in Jesus' name. Just release the anointing in its fullness. Receive right now in Jesus' name. Receive. Come on, this is your last moment. Receive in Jesus' name. Receive, God. Those that haven't received yet, let them receive right now. Those that came believing to receive, let them receive right now. No one goes home disappointed. No one goes home disappointed in the name of Jesus. Take it right now. Take it. Come on, 10 more seconds. Take it. Ten more seconds, ten more seconds, ten more seconds. In Jesus' name, receive it right now. And we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God one shout of praise. Just one mighty shout of praise. One mighty shout of praise.